scholarship, and we're going to match by giving $100 to help you along the way. So if you want to go, don't let the finances be something in your way. See David or Martha. Without any more ado, this is my son-in-law, Pastor Zach. He's getting more like me every day. <laughs> Just shave, shave his head and that'll be him. <laughs> I'll do it. Don't tip me. Oh, that'd be so much easier. Oh. Let me tell you, if he shaved it on Monday, he would be like that on Yeah, Sunday. probably, yeah. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'm going to jump right into the message this morning. We're continuing in the series that we've been on, uh, Crucified with Christ. It's uh, marching through the, uh, Paul's letter to the church in Galatians. And uh, just a quick reminder that on every page of Paul's letter, it's this theme that keeps hitting. The death of Jesus Christ saves. The death of Jesus Christ saves. The death of Jesus Christ saves. And he is coming through all directions and pinpointing and pointing us back to it. The last time I spoke, I spoke in uh, Galatians chapter 4. And there was a part in Galatians chapter 4 that I really wanted to emphasize when I spoke last, but I didn't get a chance to. So now I have a chance to emphasize these three little words in this message because they mean so much and they've helped me so much, especially in times of trouble or even when I go back and remember these three little words that Paul points to us in Galatians chapter 4. In the Galatians 4, verse 4 through 6 reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, may God add a blessing to the reading of his word. There's few promises in verse 6. Promise, you are sons. Another promise in verse 6. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Maybe you're like me and you've wondered, how do I know if I've been redeemed by Christ and adopted as a son of God and have the spirit of his son in my heart? As we read earlier in this series in Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 24, here's one way to know. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. Through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ... Have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. To be adopted into God's family comes to us via faith in Jesus Christ. Betting all the farm on what he did for us. If you are looking into your pockets or looking at your resume and you're ready to present all that you have done to Christ or all that you've done for God, to God as reasons of why you ought to be let into his kingdom, you're going to be sadly mistaken. Because your credentials for eternal life, your credentials to be reconciled with God, 
is what Christ has done for you already. Betting the blue chips on his finished work on the cross. See, the person who comes and says, well, what about me? What about me? What about me? I've done. I've, 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 I've. If I'm in heaven, I am there because Jesus died for me. Period. And that is good news for someone like me. Because if it's up to me, if it's up to me to pull myself up by my own bootstraps, if it's up to me to show to, that I am approved, that I ought to be let in because of the wonderful, wonderful things I've done, I'm toast. Because the standard that God gives us in his law is perfection. I can't do that. That propels me to the position of have mercy on me, a sinner. And in God's word, Christ says that the one who says, have mercy on me, a sinner, didn't say if he got himself right first, if he cleaned up his act first, said while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't come for, the, for those who were in no need of a physician. He came for those who were sick. There's a theologian I remember hearing once said, Jesus didn't die. Jesus didn't come to, to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people live. And see, that's the big difference in the Christian faith. In every other faith in the world, it'll tell you, here's the ladder, and here's what you need to do to climb up to get God. The Christian faith is different in this. It says, there's the ladder, the cross, where God climbed down to get on it to get you. Because you deserved it? No. But because God loves you so much more than you think he does. Those three little words, crying, Abba, Father. See, Paul could have written and might have written calling Abba, Father. But he wrote crying instead. Abba is Aramaic for Father. In Romans 8.26, Paul describes the crying of the Spirit as groanings too deep for words. Groanings that are too deep for any type of audible noise. Find great reassurance in this. The fact that the Spirit of Christ in our hearts cries unto God and makes intercession for us with groanings. Oftentimes when we don't realize that we need His help. However, there are many factors that keep us from being fully reassured by this. We are born in sin. I didn't, I, I didn't have to be taught how to sin. That was just natural. Because that was my natural state. And it is my natural state. My natural state is to go and think like a sinner. Because I am. I'm not so much a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. Someone kind of asked in a theology class or a seminary class, you know, why do we sin? Why do we do it? And the obvious answer, unfortunately, is why do we sin? It's because we like it. It's our desire. But the good news is, is that Christ died for sinners. And that his righteousness was exchanged for our unrighteousness on the cross. Another reason is the inborn evil and sin nature, a sinful will and desire for sin that causes us to be in doubt about God's favor towards us. 
Think Adam and Eve hiding and covering themselves with leaves after they realized they had sinned. They ran and they hid from God. Remember that passage? If you don't, go back and read it. It's Genesis 3. And notice that God comes looking for them when they're hiding. He asks a question in Genesis 3, verse 9. He asks a question that he already knows the answer to. Where are you? God reveals his character here. He does not approach Adam and Eve as a judge to condemn them for what they have done. He approaches them as a father would his lost child. His goal, find them. Call them to turn from, from hoping in themselves and turn to hope in him. To forgive them and restore them to where they need to be. He even gives them a better covering than what they did for themselves. A covering that screams Christ that early. Something had to die. And God used that skin to cover them. The devil, our adversary, goes about looking to devour us by roaring, God is angry at you, and he's going to destroy you forever. The devil comes and says, sinner, sinner, you did this, you did this. How can you get up there and talk about Jesus when I know what you did this morning? Guilty, 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 condemned. And my only response back is, you know what, devil, you're right. I am a sinner, but to be quite honest, you've forgotten and you don't know a lot of sins that I've done. That's the bad news. The good news is that there is one who has made satisfaction on my behalf, and his name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, I will be also. Jesus cannot be perceived by the senses. We can't see him. The heart does not feel his helpful presence, especially in times of trials. A Christian feels the power of sin, the affirmity of the flesh, the arrows of the devil, the illness of death, the this, this soul, this, this scowl and judgment of God. All these things cry out against us. The law scolds us. Sin screams at us. Death thunders at us. The devil roars at us. In the midst of this barrage, the Spirit cries in our hearts, Abba, Father. This little cry of the Spirit, outruns, outpaces, jumps, and races ahead of the bombardment of the lost sin, death, and the devil, and finds a hearing with God. It's the little bit, little bit in the night, when I have a monitor, because I'm, you know, I'm dead to the world and I sleep, that little cry of knocks, Daddy, Daddy, I'm up, that, that pierces into my ear. He hasn't even tell, told me what's wrong yet, but I'm already ready there looking for him. And sometimes he just needs to be held. Cade was the way, same way too. How much more? How much more? Especially when you don't feel him. He's there. He's there. To the, to the child of God, the Spirit is interceding for you, crying, Abba, Father. And he's there. Does he take all my trials away? No. But he's with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, not yea, though he takes the shadow of death away from me. No, I'm still walking through the valley, but he's with me. Jesus, God, if you're not going to remove this suffering from me, are you going to be there with me? Yep, forever. Never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. That's a promise. The Spirit cries in us because of our weakness. 
Because of our weakness, the Holy Spirit is sent forth into our hearts to pray for us according to the will of God and to assure us of the grace of God. That's good news when I don't know what to pray, to know that he is praying for me. This one little word, Abba, surpasses the eloquence of any great poet or speech writer. We depend on God for salvation. No wonder that Christianity is certified because it does not rest in our own strength, our own conscience, our own feelings, our own person, our own works. It is built on a better foundation. It is built on the promises and truth of God. Let us never doubt the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, but make up our minds that God is pleased with us, that he looks after us, and that we have the Holy Spirit who prays for us. How do I know that God is pleased with those that are in Christ? Because he is pleased with Jesus. You see, if God is looking at anything of me to count, that's not good news. That's not good news. There's not two separate lines in heaven. There's not a well done line and an okay, come on in, you rascal, you, you figured it out. No. No. There's one line. And everyone in Christ will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because of what you did? No, but because of what Christ did. And that's what's being counted in place of you. Thank God. As the team comes forward, I want you to realize this. One little drop of the blood of the Son of God is enough to cover all of your sins. All of it. You might be sitting there thinking, no, you don't know what I've done. Well, you know what? Jesus know, knew what you would do long, long ago. And he gladly went and died for you anyway. Are you a sinner? I am. Have you sinned? I have. This morning, do you want the forgiveness of sins, his forgiveness, Christ's forgiveness this morning? If you do, therefore, according to his words, Jesus tells me to tell you that you are forgiven and that you have the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. So I believe him. He said his blood was shed for your sins. So I believe him. Jesus is for you. Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, for you, you are forgiven. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you so much this morning, Lord. Thank you so much that you've promised to never leave us and never forsake us. Lord, I ask that you, right now, well, I don't even know to, I don't even have to ask because I know you're already doing it. Speak to every heart in this room. Let the barrage of it's true, it's true. Jesus Christ died for you. Pound every heart in this room with the gospel. That Christ died on the cross for our sins. And that three days later he rose from the grave. And that because of his death and resurrection, we too can have everlasting life by faith in him. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
praise God. Thank you, Pastor Zach. As I thought, I've never used this in my testimony before, but as I thought of my testimony this morning, how I rejected the Lord and turned my back on Him, I thought just sitting there right now of the prodigal son who was in a pig pen, eating husks that his servants and his father had, even the pigs might have turned up their noses to it, but there he was. He'd spent all that he had in, in wrong living, and he was in a place where he wouldn't even, his servants wouldn't even be in his father's house. But there was a time that he came to his senses. Hallelujah. And he rose up and he ran and he ran and he ran to father's house. And that's what happened, I guess happened to me, I thought this morning. Yes, I rejected him. Yes, I was in a place that I, I didn't have to be. But then when I came to my senses, in the early hours of the morning, I accepted Jesus into my heart and life, just in a little Scottish living room floor. If you've never accepted Christ this morning as your personal Savior, then you can do it this morning. All you need to do is to ask him to come in. I was blessed by serving the Lord as a children's pastor when I first started my work. And I would teach the children all you needed to do when they accepted Christ. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Just a simple prayer. But he says in his word to come as a little child. So if you've never accepted him this morning and you want to, then we welcome you in. We'll pray for you this morning. Perhaps you've done that, made the decision, and you've been walking on the fence.